Adopt an intent-first mindset with Chris Green from Torque. Brought to you by Majestic, I'm David Bain and this is SEO in 2022. Chris, what is your number one SEO tip for 2022? Thanks, David. My number one SEO tip for 2022 is to adopt an intent-first mindset. And what I mean by that is you know, use intent to map and guide everything you're doing from an SEO perspective, primarily linking to keyword research, the application of keywords, how you're structuring the website, and planning and mapping your content. Um, it's often something that feels quite sort of obvious, maybe, to a non-SEO. Um, if anything, you, you sort of speak to us more traditional marketers, and they may feel that this is maybe standard advice. But anyone that's been engaged with an SEO for any time frame, worked with Google Ads, or just spent a long time doing keyword research, they get often very constrained around the interface, and they get focused very heavily on pure search volume and what they want to rank for, not actually concerned about answering the question that someone has and what is the best content or the best means or facilities to do that. Um, and very often the implication of this is knowing when you cannot compete and when you should not compete, and therefore focusing your efforts where you can make the most gains. Um, and intent, what your customer, what your user is trying to achieve has to be at the centre of everything you do. Now for this series, I asked all the SEOs to just submit a form just to give me an idea of what they're going to be talking about. Not not, not everything um, that we're going to talk about, just a brief summary. And you said, um, stop thinking about reporting on keywords, rankings, traffic at a site level, apply the intent lens to everything you do, and it'll be yes. much easier to provide value to the user in Google. So stop thinking about reporting on keywords. K keywords, not something that SEO should be focusing on at the moment. Well, I've, in sense of at a site level, so for example, um, colloquially call it your golf club terms. You know, these are the keywords that you really want ranked on page one because we really want it. It has a loss of search volume or similar. Um, but the issue is that you know there are many different keywords that benefit your business in many different ways, and when you're looking at it without that intent lens, when you're just looking at our keywords. You, know, you might have your primary, your secondary, your tertiary, but either way, the, the way that, I'm not saying abandon reporting on keywords, but abandon that reporting without the intent lens. So actually, you know, progress and movements in certain keywords may equal better kind of commercial success. Others may, you know, further your goals with regards to, you know, um, you know, customer awareness or retention or customer service. So I think actually framing that, you know, these keywords are moving, this is in this part of the funnel, these customers are trying to do this, and kind of that gives much more nuanced discussion as to what does that move mean, um, but also what do we do differently? What could we achieve with this knowledge? What about if a keyword could apply at different stages of the funnel? And um, obviously you've got someone landing on the page for the first time, discovering you for the first time, and someone perhaps further up the funnel considering buying something. Is it possible mm -hmm. to deliver a different experience to those two different people? Um, it is. I think the there'll be certain um, phrases that are always harder to distinguish or differentiate kind of as clearly because... I mean, the hardest ones are those keywords where the intent is really muddled. So that's the really generics. And, you know, uh, we could always talk about an apple. You're looking for technology or a fruit, or you could do the same with orange and similar. Um, and I think the those kinds of terms and the experience you deliver, how I would usually approach that, assuming it's not a branded search, in which case branding, you have to signpost people to the right directions. But look at the SERP and what kind of results the other websites are delivering. 
and those top-ranked websites that are providing a certain kind of experience, it's very clear to what stage in the funnel they are. Um, broadly speaking, that's a really good indicator of what direction you should be moving in that. Now, if you've got split intent or there's some ambiguity around that, you think of your customers and where they are in the process, you know, which experience do you give first and then how do you facilitate the second? So you've always got to have a dominant that you can't necessarily have your cake and eat it on every single occasion. Um, but my, what I'm telling more and more people now is look at the SERPs. They, they are a strongest indicator now of what the intent is than they ever have been. And Google sometimes gets it wrong, obviously. Um, we all know this, but, um, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that can run this kind of analysis. There's a lot of technology you could utilize, but actually a Google search will get you 80 to 90% of the way there virtually every time um, and use that as your kind of guide. You also mentioned signposting people for a branded search. Yes. Where are some areas that SEOs get it wrong in this area? Um, the biggest areas, I think, is not owning all of the branded search that's available. Um, and kind of thinking about what are people actually asking. So um, brands very often will say, well, actually, we d we're not interested in that traffic or we're not interested in answering that question. Therefore, we're not going to provide that. Um, and th the issue is, and it's mainly for larger brands who have more brand equity and search around that, is if you're not owning that, someone else can. So there's a degree of being protectionist as much as answering the question. I mean, if you're investing and you value in, in kind of the customers after, okay, you know, the the, life, the full life cycle of the customer, so post-purchase, if they're asking questions about your brand and you're not answering them, you don't have control of that space. You're not going to be able to help them. Um, and, you know, it's just a, you can very often have third-party sites ranking with information that's a year or two years old that's really hard to then dislodge, um, and that could be wrong information. That could be out of date. So, you know, just owning the brand should be really, really simple in the vast majority of cases. So you, you take the opportunity while you can and get in there early. What metrics do you use to measure success at different stages in the purchase funnel? So I'm, I'm thinking that if someone's just discovering you from the first time, then they might actually just be reading a piece of content and go off your website and then be completely satisfied they've had their query yeah. answered. And mid-funnel, perhaps you're looking to get them to opt into an email list. Um, bottom of the funnel, obviously, perhaps some kind of purchase. Is, is, is that Are those the kind of metrics that you're looking to measure on, or are there other metrics that you can introduce to make um, measurement more accurate, more successful, more predictable? So, yeah, and I, I think it's, it's a really key one, and what really helps with intent is your metrics at each stage can be appropriate for the goal of that that kind of person. Now, obviously, we we um, we talk about uh, we want to measure traffic, but we want to measure sales. We want to get you know what's the pound value or the dollar value that this this content is delivering, which is a really appropriate at the bottom of the funnel because obviously people are at that point where they're ready to purchase. However, when we get to the top of the funnel, we start judging it on direct pounds or dollars earned at that point. You're going to be using inappropriate metrics. So it'll tell you that all of your top funnel contents underperforming, or you're going to start forcing people into you know, kind of dark UX tactics of, you know, making them sign up for mailing lists or saying, yes, they want notifications via Chrome or other bits. You're driving them into something. So for the top funnel, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the the really early intent kind of search is actually share a voice is a really good one. So actually how how well, how visible are we in that case? And actually the, the, the narrative there is the likelihood of someone searching around the top funnel finding you. Um, and there's a number of tools that will calculate share of voice for you. But if you know which keywords um, you want to rank for and you know where you're ranked for them, you can kind of establish what that is. I mean, you could even, and I'm not a fan of average ranking, but you can even look at something like that. Mid-funnel to lower funnel, 
um, contacts, interactions on the website. So actually creating this this idea of what micro conversions do you want to see? You know, live chat instigations, contact form fills, document downloads, add to baskets. Then obviously that bottom bottom funnel is squarely revenue generated. Um, and you can even um, create your attribution so you can actually look at your funnel saying, well, you know, don't just look at last click, look at first click or bathtub or whatever model you want just to see, well, where where are people discovering us and actually how many times in their journey is organic featuring in it. And, and that can all be done pretty easily through Google Analytics. Um, he says, obviously summarizing it quickly, but it's, it's having an appropriate set of metrics at each stage, but also telling people the narrative. So this is what success looks like. This is what you can expect when this content's working well. So if an SEO has just started in a new role working for a new company and the company website is actually doing quite well in terms of rankings, they've got lots of pages ranking for quite a few different keyword phrases, but not a lot of work has been done on intent, on matching pages to intent. Where, what are the first steps? Um, where does that SEO start in terms of doing that matching? I think the, the first place that SEO starts is looking at those top pages that are delivering traffic um, and Googling those phrases and looking, what is, what's the rest of that top 10 doing? Now, unless you're in position, say, one to three, there's a good chance you know, there are other people clearly on page one who are offering that better experience. You know, what content experience is that are those pages offering and does that differ from your own? Um, and actually being really clear on that because sometimes you won't be ranking because your intent's not right. You know, you, you're literally not offering what Google thinks is the best response. Now, they can get cloudy around split intent queries and you have to kind of be careful what it is you're actually doing there. But where I see it go wrong, and certainly this happens with kind of juniors and especially people who have just kind of worked just within the SEO silo, is they'll look in AdWords, they may look in, you know, other tools that have keywords and search volumes, and they'll be based on this is the search volume that I want and this is the page on the website that currently targets that the best by our intent. Um and it's, it's that stress testing. And then also looking in from that, going into Google Search Console and looking at those top ranking pages and then looking at, well, what are the queries that are driving traffic to those pages and are they appropriate? You got to, And try and remove yourself from your position of working that company. If I landed on that page and this was my query, would I be satisfied? And that doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you, know, you have to put a score on it, but if the answer is anything but a resounding yes, then there's potential for work to be done around that. Um, and then, of course, the other side is if you if you're working on a massive kind of keyword set, and you you know you could probably only hope to do the top five percent of keywords from a manual perspective, is actually look to some of the tools out there that classify keywords with the intent similar to say how Google does. So no, no simple, do, go, and then establish is that a page that provides knowledge? Is that a page that drives action? Um, and then at scale, you can see any real clear mismatches relatively easily if you know how to look up in Excel. Great. So okay. And can it be a challenge um, to work closely with maybe a content marketing team to ensure that the correct content is created to match the intent that you've identified? I think actually most content teams would come skipping towards you with open arms if if you kind of approach them saying that's how you want to achieve it. The biggest, I've worked very closely with content teams my whole career and I've worked on them as well. And the, the, the biggest objection with SEOs is often that that content doesn't fit or I'm being asked to put keywords in this content and I don't understand why, or I don't feel like it's making it correct. Um, and I think AO.com quite recently um, sort of 
talked about their kind of success and actually their content team has a purely customer centric focus around what content they produce and how they market it so actually if as an seo you're adopting that intent first mindset and you can say well look we're doing it for the customer most content teams will want to work very closely on that because your goals should align with theirs now the only way the only i say should and the only times where that might not is where actually content teams kpis are wrong or misaligned potentially so actually you know your content your content team you're there to generate sales which is actually thoroughly wrong in in most instances but um in that instance you kind of need to go on the attribution question and actually that's where the share of voice if we're more likely to get clicked on in the awareness phases you know or even pre-awareness they're more likely to come back to us and you have to work a little bit harder just to educate them in that but um training content teams to use google analytics effectively is probably one of your biggest routes to success there because they can see what you can see and you can report on it obviously and how do you decide on the type of content that needs to be created? I mean, sometimes a, a video response, a video answer to a particular query works better and is, is what someone's looking for. Yeah. But um, sometimes from an SEO perspective, you're just looking for a, a single paragraph to, to answer a particular question. I, I would, that's when I turn back to what is, what is the SERP showing. So if, for example, we've got a knowledge box with a video embed um, or Google's got a video carousel or something similar, then that tells me that that video content is really what people are looking for. That said, the tech SEO part of me saying, provide a video, ask the, answer the question, but for God's sake, give them a transcript as well, because I'm, I'm, I'm still old school. Text is the best way of getting indexed and returned quickly. So that's broadly how we do it. But in, in the senses of, um, you know, there's a lot of visual guides um, out there and actually maybe five screenshots will do the job. Well, you, you could provide five screenshots. Maybe it's a how-to, but it's just making sure that actually that date, that content structured, you've got a clear heading structure, good internal linking, and enough textual content to actually explain what's going on um, <clears throat> in there. And obviously, again, being conscious that Google still prefers text. So I would always gravitate very heavily to that textual content for getting indexed, but I'd use the SERP to help, to, to help me establish what other media ranks well. Um, what what is the content length that properly answers that query so i.e you know if position one can answer it in 200 words that's not the only indicator but that's a strong one if all of the content on page one is eight thousand words plus you know you're in it for a long form piece potentially i'm, I'm painting in broad strokes the final one is actually what is the best piece of content and how do you make it better and that's where the content team and, and the customer hat can be really useful because you need to be able to know what actually what does good content look like for this query. Um, and again, that's something that not all SEOs are great at because quite often that's not their job. You do need to rely on a marketer or a content marketer or a creative or someone else or maybe involve customer success teams, work out actually what is the best content and then be really, really um, strong with yourself and say, are we the best result? How often, <laughs> how often does this, does this fit into an SEO strategy or an SEO role? Is this something that should be done on a on an annual basis, just completely planned out and then forgotten about, monthly basis, on a regular basis, more regular than that? So there are key events that, for me, it makes sense to instigate this. So site migrations, site changes, those kind of ones. Any time that really asks you to look at the structure of a certain set of pages, what's working and what's not. It makes sense to do it then because actually you're changing a lot anyway it gives you the best opportunity to um, but outside of that um, a lot of it's going to be based on what works and what and, and how well you are doing but i think if you receive quite a lot of say i don't know 40 to 60 percent of your traffic is organic 
and you receive quite a significant amount there of it. You've got enough to know that Google is valuing what you write, but there's almost certainly always room to grow in those scenarios. So that's when I'd say, you know, three to six months, depending on the size of the site, it's quite a good exercise. Um, obviously, if you're big enterprise organization you're going to be constantly working your way through the different priority sections or brands or people that work under them um, but in those scenarios chunk them kind of create a product area or a vertical um, or a particular part in the life cycle and really focus on that bit first um, but most of the time this will necessitate you need to create a new content area or a new content type because very few people that i work with have all of the intent stages covered they're often very very good at one point but they need to expand. And that's usually the bit when they move up the funnel. So they need better content for that. So I'm sure several SEOs are thinking, sounds great, but this could take me a lot of time to do. So if an SEO is struggling for time, what's one yep. thing that they should stop doing right now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2022? Oh, good question. So um, almost always stop um, wringing your hands so much about the vanity terms. So about the, the ones that drive high traffic, low intent, so those really ambiguous queries, you think if we made it into position one, we'd get thousands of searches a month for it. It's like, well, what is that going to do typically from a conversion perspective? And I think the, the vast majority of cases, the biggest wins I see is actually pivoting to longer tail terms that convert better and usually are less competitive. Um, that frees up an awful lot of time. And then the other one is, and I know I've said, spend an awful lot of time looking at your competition. Look at the competition in each SERP don't focus too heavily on what the competition are doing kind of overall and try and second guess what their strategy is because from an seo sense by the time you see it emerging they've already planned it put all the logistics in place and i've gotten moving on it so when you learn what's working for them you're almost too late so use the serps to see what you need to do on a query by query or intent stage basis but you know focus on making your stuff better don't focus on chasing everyone else you can find Chris Green over at torquepartnership.com. Chris, thank you for being part of SEO in 2022. Thank you, David. Enjoyed it. Check out the rest of the content from SEO in 2022 over at seoin2022.com. <laughs>